It's Monday, May 21st. This is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Pro, Jeff Fisher. From Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Mager. Happy Monday, guys. Happy Monday. Hey, Chris. We are back. We survived our annual meeting. We were off for a couple of days last week, and uh, we're all we're all in one piece. Barely. Barely. We yep. us. We barely survived. We'll try to be coherent today. A Thank little bit. you. Always appreciate that. Uh, we've got Yahoo in the news for reasons that have nothing to do with their CEO office. Uh, we've got some earnings from Lowe's and some signs that the housing market in North America may be turning around. But we are going to start with Facebook, obviously being off last week. We missed the Facebook IPO uh, this morning on just... Sounds it, like we didn't miss much. Yeah, I was going to say, on just its second day of trading, shares of Facebook down 12%. Uh, a few threads to, to pull here. But first, let me just start with the IPO. Let's go back to Friday. Obviously, we were hard at work at our company meeting up in Baltimore. But uh, we were, I think, keeping an eye on, on the IPO. And you look at the media reports, the shares basically ended just slightly above where it was priced, Joe, at 38. And the media largely termed it a flop. What did you make of the IPO? Yeah, well, it's all a matter of perspective. If you're a selling shareholder, you're thrilled to see it end the day even because that means you got full value for your shares. If you were someone buying the stock at the IPO and you were hoping to make a quick buck, you are extremely disappointed and you're probably one of the people dumping the stock today. And if you are a Facebook employee or shareholder who's planning on sticking around for the long term, you're probably disappointed there wasn't more of a pop. And already the stock has only been in the public markets for two days and investors are already, already disenchanted with it. Jeff, what did you think? I've never seen the media cover an IPO with such verve and such passion, much of it heated. Friday was my 10-year anniversary, so I was not at work with you guys. <laughs> That's weak. My wife and I were bouncing around D.C. from bar to bar, restaurant to restaurant with friends. And every, oh, strong. every TV screen had Facebook up there. And you're, you're exactly right, Chris. CNN said the flop, the big yep. flop, failure, all this stuff, which is so incredibly wrong. Like Joe is exactly right. Facebook did this really well. They may have gotten the most money out of it they possibly could have, yep. and they frankly don't seem to care that the stock is now a little bit down. Why would they care? They got their money. And if this is how they're going to run their business, thinking in the long term, they wanted to raise as much money as they could for the long haul, then I have a little more respect for them and a little more hope that they will do well in the long run. But meanwhile, the media, I've never seen the media root for virtually mainly one percenters so much. Why do we care? The, the Most people who got shares initially typically have a lot of money, and so they are given shares as a favor. Why do we care if they get a pop on day one or not? Well, it's certainly, and we've touched on this with other IPOs, certainly if the shares start at 38 and it ends the day at 65, well, then Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg, they're having a conversation with their investment right, bankers. they messed up. Basically saying, well, why did we leave all this money on the table? Now, that said, we saw reports that Late in the day on Friday, we there were investment banks buying back shares to sort of prop them up, which, as our producer Matt Greer said, that's a little bit like you know Girl Scout cookie sales are coming in a little light, so the parents load up just so that their daughter can show, oh, yeah, no, I hit my quota. Yeah, yeah well, a- parents are more responsible than Morgan Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> One would hope. A few reasons. Uh, one reason is they – all these bankers keep tracks, of course, of their IPO wins and losses, and, and then they report, they celebrate their big wins. So if they can show that the stock went up, as absurd as, as this is, 
they'll keep records and they'll show years from now, oh, yeah, Google went up X percent on this day. That's partly because of us. We bring winning companies public. That's what they want. They want, they want to show that it went up at least a little bit. Yeah, definitely a black eye from Morgan Stanley for this not going off well. I, I mean, nothing about it went off correctly. There were issues with NASDAQ and the trading yep. people. Their orders weren't getting fulfilled. It ends the day flat, and now it's down 12%. I mean, just all in all, a very uninspired way to start out. And you know, yep. and these banks, they also know if the share price drops below the, the offering price, some panic sets in from people who are never long-term to begin with, who just want to get out, and that accelerates the selling. That's what we're seeing today. One of the other things we're seeing today is uh, this morning shares of Zynga, uh, the, the Farmville company, and RenRen, uh, social networking I want to come China. back to this tape in like five years and see if Farmville <laughs> has any relevance. We'll be like, RenRen? What was that? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think it was Barron said that it referred to them as Facebook sympathy stocks because Facebook's down 12%. These are two other stocks down this morning. Is that what we're going to see over the next six to 12 months and possibly even further down the line that Facebook is within the universe of the social networking site and companies that depend on it. It really is sort of its own mini bellwether. Is that fair? To a certain extent, I think their fates are are tied together. Over the long run, hopefully we'll see some, their finances will drive the, the share prices. But right now they're they're tied together, it seems. Yeah, I mean, Facebook is like the best player in a major sport where the union's always pressuring that player to go out and get the best deal possible so that all the other guys can get valuations or pay that's, you know, higher than they could have otherwise. And people were hoping that Facebook would set this, you know, mammoth precedent evaluation. And it still was at 22 times sales, which is absurd. But, you know, they were expecting something like 25, 30 times sales which at that level can justify just about anything for yeah, stocks at, beneath. At this price, Joe's right now, the only question that we should all be talking about from here forward is basically how are they going to grow into this valuation? And I watched a, an interview with a Facebook CEO. Of course, we all know Mark on a first-name basis with that guy. <laughs> but his COO was in this interview too, Cheryl Seinberg, and she had some interesting things to say, mainly that uh, – Marketers, of course, don't want you just to purchase their product. They want you to then tell all your friends that you bought this product and why you like it. And they're, what she was trying to get at, I think, is that's what they're trying to monetize somehow. But I don't see how you, how you do yet unless you sell personal data to companies so that they can then target you. So when the first earnings report comes out for Facebook later this summer, what is the metric that you're going to be looking at? Is it revenue per user? Is it an increased membership overall? Is it growth in international? Joe, what are, you, what are you going to be looking at? Yeah, it's revenue per user. I want to see them actually monetizing the base of people they've got on the service. Right now, I think it's around 5 bucks, and that's probably not good enough to justify selling a 22-time sales. Yeah, I'd agree. That, that number needs to go up, and I'll be listening to the conference calls to see what their strategic initiatives are. Zuckerberg talked about his vision for the future is a better music listening experience for everyone, better news reading I think experience. someone came up with that one already. <laughs> that struck me that way, too. A better video experience. I think that's already out there, too. Yep. His, it seemed simple, so maybe he's just brushing with a broad stroke. But he, he's basically saying by sharing your experiences with your friends, they become better. 
and that's what they're going to monetize somehow. I don't see how. Because that worked out well for Microsoft in the Zune when they first launched that. The Zune that, is that huge. Was, that was the whole welcome to the social. <laughs> you know, you can share your music with other. It's going to be a great people. story, whatever happens. But they have their work cut out for them. Yahoo has reportedly reached a deal to sell up to half its stake in Alibaba Group, uh, back to the Chinese company for seven point one billion. Yahoo's going to get six point three billion in cash, eight hundred million in preferred stock. So, Joe, help me out with this. Right now, Yahoo's got a market cap of around $19 billion. After taxes, they're going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of an additional $4 billion. Why isn't the stock up more? When we came into the studio, it was up maybe 1, 1.5% this morning. Why isn't it popping more? Well, the original dream was that Yahoo would somehow get rid of this without having to pay taxes on its gains and unload the whole stake. Instead, it failed at both of those, so they're going to have to pay taxes on it, and they're not getting rid of the whole thing. So now you still have this kind of drag where it's a great asset, but they can't unload it. And if they weren't un- un- if they weren't able to unload the rest of it at this time, it's pretty clear they're not going to be able to get rid of it at any sort of future later date. So the short version of that is that they're not going to be able to monetize these assets anywhere near as profitably as or as soon as people had hoped. Yeah, and it doesn't really change their story either. They have they have more than a, a couple billion in cash and short-term investments right now, so basically cash. And their problem is how to use it so that they can like put in place a, a sustainable plan to take market share from from Google. And that's that, that doesn't this doesn't answer that question. We know that Yahoo at least domestically has a couple of very strong properties in terms of Yahoo Finance, Yahoo Sports. They they're they're really doing well in those regards. When they get this check cleared for four billion, do they double down on those? Do they look to blow those out? Are there are there other bets that they should be making, or dare I say it, should they even be looking to acquire someone? Yeah, they might go out and try and make a deal. They do have a lot of traffic and eyeballs who go to their site, and if they could come up with some sort of membership plan to better monetize that, that would add value. That said, I think the responsible thing would be a one-time dividend coming out from them. It could be a good-sized chunk, and it would be a sign of good faith to investors, too, that they are looking to manage the business from a shareholder perspective, not a we-want-to-continue-this-business-running-for-the-sake-of-our-employees perspective. Jeff? Yeah, the other responsible thing would be to bring back those Yahoo commercials. <laughs> Come on. I thought you were going to say the other responsible thing. The other responsible thing would invest some of that money in background checks on on whoever whoever's the next CEO. We kid because we love. Uh, Lowe's first quarter earnings up fourteen percent. Jeff Fisher, both profit and sales came in better than Wall Street analysts were expecting. So. I'm not a shareholder, but I ask on behalf of shareholders, given that, why is the stock down 9% this morning? <laughs> it was, they were good results. They lower, Here's why it's down 9%, 10%, Chris. Big, big, great reason. Their former EPS guidance, earnings per share guidance for the year, was 175 to 185 per share. Okay, Their new guidance is 173 to 183 per share. Two cents lower, about 1.1% lower than previous guidance. 10% hit to the stock. Uh, the bottom line is that is, an overreaction? I yeah, but does the market ever overreact? Well, <laughs> no, no. I know that happens, but that just I'm I'm just asking specifically uh, in this case because when you when you put it that way and it's wow they lowered guidance by basically one percent, a ten percent stock hit seems it, excessive. It does seem excessive. Lowe's has had a really good year though; it's up quite a bit, and they did say in the conference call that they're putting in some new initiatives to kind of streamline their business. They weren't. They didn't give specifics, and I, the market never likes that. But they're trying to. They're going to pay some money 
and some capital expenses to improve the customer experience and reorganize the the top of their structure too, their management structure. Without more guidance on that, the market. I think we can all agree those things sound good. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, specifics would have been nice. And there was also some seasonality in these results. Yep. The, the weather helped. We saw little. that with Home Depot. We've seen that with other retailers where it's basically, hey, the weather was warmer. So some of the sales that probably would have gone in the, the second calendar quarter moved up a little moved bit. Up a bit. And they did say they still remain cautious on housing. They they don't see that it's for certain in a, in a rebound time yet. Prices have stabilized on Decent properties, but there's still this large inventory of foreclosed properties that they're concerned about. One of the things that we tend to look at when it comes to retailers, whether it's a company like Starbucks or McDonald's or or a a retailer like uh, Home Depot and Lowe's, is same-store sales. And when you look at Lowe's comps, they were basically half of what Home Depot's were when, when Home Depot just reported their uh, latest quarterly earnings. Joe, it, it, I'm not saying it's time to stop the fight, but certainly over the last couple of years, it really seems like when you're looking at Home Depot versus Lowe's, it really seems like Home Depot just just has it all over Lowe's. Yeah, I can't see much reason to own Lowe's relative to Home Depot. And I recently recommend to Ivy members that they sell Lowe's and buy HD. And the thesis is essentially the two stocks are selling at the same you know, valuation level, roughly around 18 times earnings. <clears throat> You're getting a better yield on Home Depot today, and the stock is outperforming in terms of operations. So the business itself, you know, you had U.S. same-store sales up 6% in the last quarter. Uh, Lowe's was less than half that. So all things equal, I'm going to take, you know, the company with the same valuation and the higher growth rate over Lowe's. Yeah, I would agree with Joe, and I'd, I'd love to hear more from Joe on why he, he thinks Home Depot is executing so much better. Yeah, sure. So being it's in Atlanta, from Atlanta. <laughs> right? Basically, it's because they're <laughs> okay. from Atlanta. Uh, well, they for years were getting out hustled by Lowe's, and I would say the biggest fail point all gets back to they got away from the core competency of taking care of customers and focusing on retail. So they had the HD supply business, and they had all sorts of things that weren't central to just retail. That didn't work out for them, and they've kind of recentered themselves and started doing some very practical, common sense work around getting more employees in front of customers. And this started around four or five years ago, and the fruit of that is really bearing today. But just little things in terms of incentive programs for associates on the floor, uh, they used to restock at night, and they moved that to the day so that they could have more people on the floor to answer questions for shoppers. And, you know, again, just very common sense, small things, but they really did make a lot of these little changes that did add up to big results. And I think you're now seeing you know, the benefits of all that. All right. So there you go, Lowe's. They're listening. They should start <laughs> putting those in place. I think a lot of Lowe's executives are listening to um, Martin Fuller. certain they are. Celine Dion and her husband are selling their home in Quebec. It is just 15 minutes from downtown Montreal. It is a gated island with a private bridge, just under 20 acres, 24,000 square feet in the home. Joe Mager, I know you're doing a little home shopping. Uh, $29.3 million. Are you interested? No, I'm not looking in Canada. <laughs> What do you think, Jeff? I mean, it sounds like a pretty sweet place. I know you don't have $29 million burning a hole in your pocket, but... No, I don't. And if I did, hmm, I'd probably head south, closer to the equator, somewhere hot. But if, if Joe is looking for a home with his new lovely bride, I would say try to pay up. Really? Not, yeah, try to tr- get a house that you really love and that doesn't need much work because the work is so expensive. 
whereas a larger mortgage doesn't make much difference on a on a monthly basis. I'd rather pay a hundred thousand more for a house. And granted, we're in D.C., so that's the average house is five hundred thousand dollars. I'd rather hundred I mean, k year is. Psh. Yeah, I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather have a mortgage for an extra hundred thousand than have. 100000 in work I had to do on the house and yeah. pay out of pocket. That, 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 that sounds like a veiled way of saying you're not handy at all. You're not even remotely well, handy Well, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing with housing versus stocks, right, is I can own an ugly stock and say, well, I'm perfectly fine owning this and stomaching the volatility for the next three to five years, but I don't have to live in that. If I buy a home in a bad area, I got to live in that home and it's a bad area and maybe you get that gain, but uncomfortable times in between. Let me give you a proposition. And it's it's theoretical, but I just want to see where you come out on this. What if I told you, you could have a three-bedroom home in the neighborhood of your choice, and it's absolutely free? Okay? But the, here's, the, here's the hitch. In the kitchen- This is pretty compelling so far. In, okay. Free three-bedroom home, neighborhood of your choice, but in the kitchen, at all times, at sort of a, a low volume, Celine Dion music is playing. <laughs> 24-7, in the kitchen, all the time. It's non-negotiable. Free house, neighborhood of your choice, but Celine Dion is constantly playing in your kitchen at a low volume. Is it just Titanic looping no, again? It's, again? No, it's not. We're not going to... No, we're not looking to drive <laughs> Joe crazy. I mean, she has a huge... Oh, you're not? <laughs> not completely. She has a huge catalog of music, I assume. So, so it would basically just be looping her catalog. What do you say? I'd take it and eat out every meal. <laughs> every meal? Close to it. What about like if you have guests over or something like that? Like, hey, uh, Joe, I just want to get some water out of your kitchen. I'd be like, hey, I got some Fiji water in cases right by the front door. I would love to see how your marriage would do with that because it's both pressure and stress. And it's also kind of it could calm you at other times. You could be having an argument and just say, honey, this is a ridiculous argument. Listen to this beautiful music. It'd be an emotional (laughs) roller coaster. (laughs) It would be. Joe Mager, Jeff Fisher. Guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow. 